Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Mark Haddon's 2003 novel, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, which is narrated by a socially awkward teenage boy as he recounts his efforts to solve the murder of a neighbor's dog, doesn't at first glance seem like the ideal basis for a Broadway show. But the play, written by Simon Stevens and directed by Marianne Elliott, became an instant hit when it opened in London in 2012. It won seven Olivier Awards. It's just opened on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theatre to rave reviews. The New York Times' Ben Brantley called it one of the most fully immersive works ever to wallop Broadway. I'm very pleased to welcome the playwright Simon Stevens, along with one of the show's stars, Francesca Faradani, to our show today. Hello. 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 Simon, your version of A Doll's House, extraordinary, uh, which played at BAM last year, was very well received. You've written several original plays. Why did you decide to take on a project (laughs) that seems to me to be almost impossible Possible. <laughs> what better reason to take on a project <laughs> than it's apparently impossible? It's apparent impossibility. Uh, I made friends with Mark Haddon when both of us were on attachment at the National Theatre Studio in 2008, and he just emailed me when we got on very well. We're very similar men of a very similar age. We're fathers. We like the same music. We have a lot of same experiences. And I think he'd been approached approximately a hundred times by people inquiring about the possibility of, of getting the, uh, the theatrical rights of the book. But he and wanted it, somebody he could trust. He wanted somebody who he thought... I think he, he, he was rather drawn to what I always describe as my heart of flint. <laughs> he wanted somebody who wouldn't underline any possible sentimentality in the book. He wanted somebody whose work he trusted, and he asked me to do it. He just wrote to me and asked me to do it. The novel is narrated in first person by Christopher Boone, a 15-year-old boy who's been described as exceptionally intelligent but ill-equipped to interpret everyday life. Most people would see him as having Asperger's syndrome, but that isn't spelled out. No, it's not spelled out in the novel, it's not spelled out in the play, and it's something I think Mark feels very strongly about and has written about, actually. He's written about. He's written essays about uh, the danger of diagnosing Christopher and thinking of Christopher only in terms of his diagnosis, that he thinks of him as an individual, uh, an individual with what he describes as behavioural difficulties, who happens to have a fascination with mathematics. It's, he's not indicative of, uh, of anybody else, he's just an individual character existing in a particular and individual family. The problem, uh, it seems to me, in transferring this into play form is that the novel is essentially one long interior monologue. And Francesca, you play Siobhan, Christopher's teacher at his special needs school. You narrate most of the play by reading from a book he's written. That was a way of opening it up, I guess? Yeah, I think so. I think for me the difference between the novel writer, the novelist and the dramatist is that the dramatist deals with behaviour, deals with the things that people do to each other rather than the things that people feel or remember or reflect upon. And I think the the work of the adaptation was really excavating Christopher's dazzling uh, voice from the things that he does. Right, yes, and it's great. He's made Siobhan into this beautiful character who crosses over into so many different areas um, as uh, Christopher's teacher, as his advocate, as somebody he calls upon in times of need to give him the tools to get through what he has to get through. 
and says the things that he's unwilling to yes, say. Yes, right, exactly. But and in, perhaps in the way that he would say them and when he's in, in this particular, in, in this production, executing these rather extraordinary physical things, in, in, another, a different way of telling that story while I'm saying the words. Yeah. And she's encouraged him to write this book. Yes. But then also to turn it into a play. Right. Now, Christopher doesn't like the idea of turning his book into a play, Simon, but you have. <laughs> I forced him, I forced him yeah. to do it. Um, I mean, the, I, I took that notion from the novel. The novel is a novel about somebody writing a novel. So I decided to make my play a play about somebody putting on a play. It's taking the same gesture of dismantling the processes by which things are made and, and making them theatrical rather than novelistic and gives it a tremendous sense of fun, I think, and a tremendous present tenseness which I think is always something to cherish in the theatre. Francesca, uh, does your character become, in a way, Christopher's translator, his intermediary between uh, himself and yes. the audience? Yes, absolutely. There's a, in the way that you, obviously, when you're reading a book, you, you get to read it. And on a, in a play, you don't get to have all of those pieces of narrative. And you can, um, you can be inside his head through Siobhan. But what is the premise of her reading the book? Is it partly to correct his grammar well, I or think to understand just, how you know, he sees the world? She gives him this tool. She says, okay, well, you're obviously going to get into trouble with your father if you carry on with this investigating. So why don't, you know, we're writing stories today. Why don't you write about it? I don't think she has any idea um, what he's going to come up with. And he comes up with this ex really amazing piece of writing. And she's so enthused and excited by it. Um, that she gets wrapped up. That's one of the ways into the way that Marianne has sort of seen it, that she gets just swept up and is no longer sitting on her orange chair in her classroom, but she's clutching the book. And then at a certain point, she even the book disappears and she is transported in the same way that the audience is, then is. Yeah. I think now, Mark Haddon was a guest on the show when the book was published, but I, I'm sure I asked him how he came to write about this character uh, did he talk to you about it? He talked to me my favourite story of Mark's about uh, the process of writing, and I think it's really, really fundamental to the play as well. He had written children's books for several years and had taken it upon himself to write an adult novel, and he started... He's a very different writer to me. He tends to write an awful lot more and discard an awful lot more, and he'd started about six or seven adult novels in his attempt to write the one that would define him as a serious writer. Uh, and he came up with the, the image one day of a dog being found at midnight with a garden fork sticking out of its side. And that's how the play begins. And his Yeah, and his wife heard him writing. I love this story. His wife heard him writing. And as he was writing, he was laughing to himself. And she said two things. She said, do you think grown-up writers do that? <laughs> but also, she encouraged him that, that if that was the story that made him laugh, that uh, produced joy in him in the process of creativity, then that should be the story that he should pursue. And I think that spirit that we'd make this because we love it, not because we've been commissioned to do it, not because we think it'll be a success, but just because it's a story that we're in love with and we want to tell, sits right through every element of this production and always has done. I think it's fundamental to its success. I'm talking with playwright Simon Stevens and with uh, Francesca Faradani, one of the stars of his play, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, which uh, just opened on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theater. Um, Alexander Sharp plays Christopher. He just graduated from Juilliard in May. He was cast when he was still in school? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I believe so. 
so this is his professional debut. Yeah, now, yeah it's great. You know, Francesca, you are um, a veteran of the theater. Are you as stunned by his performance as I was? Yeah, I mean, being on the stage fantastic. with him and watching and you, this? Every now and again, you have to... We well, don't have to remind yourself, but I sometimes think, oh, my gosh, he... It, you know, he just came out of school. <laughs> no, I mean, there here he is. This is his first job. Wow. And because he, not he's for a on second. the stage every moment. Yeah. And he, I mean, you don't think about it for a second otherwise. It's just a colleague and he's doing brilliant. He's just fabulous. I really love that, that at a time when a lot of shows are opening this fall and they're being led by brilliant actors, but actors who are known from Hollywood or known from television, that we're leading our show not only with, I think, one of the great ensembles of New York stage actors, with a graduate from Juilliard. I think that's mm-hmm. great. I, I'm very proud of that. Was he chosen partly because he was unknown or because uh, it doesn't hurt that he looks much younger than he is? I think he was chosen because he was perfect. He has a tremendous openness, Alex. If you meet him as a person, if you spend any time with him on a personal level, he's a very easy person to kind of fall in love with. He has a tremendous imagination and a tremendous openness and that openness accorded absolutely with our perception of what Christopher mm. is. You talked about the cast here being New York actors. Uh, is everyone new to the play? Yeah, I think it's, yeah. a, it's an entire yeah. ensemble put together for this production, yeah. yeah. Had you seen the London performance? I had not project? seen it. I had not re- read the book either. I was very new to it and, and um, just, um, yeah. It, it's my sense that this is a very different take on, on the play. Does it look at all like I what think, I would have seen in London? I think it looks very similar. I think, there is, I think it's slightly tighter. I think we, I've worked in the room to kind of really get the story as active as possible. And the set is the same? The set's the same. Uh, the, the, it, it continues to be set in the magnificent town of Swindon <laughs> in, the, in the west of London. Uh, so it, it, it remains very English. I'm, I've been kind of really startled by the warmth of the New York audience to a story that I was slightly nervous, if I'm honest, might be perceived as being very English, but they've, they've been so open and so warm, it's taken me by surprise. Well, uh, people from Britain tell me that they understand everything about the United States because they've seen yeah. films yes. and, uh, yeah. well... We have seen an awful lot of British films. We listen to British rock stars. Uh, I, th- I think that's right. I also think that universality... We know what London is. Yeah, but maybe not what Swindon is. But I think universality in art comes not from generalisation but from specificity. And I think people relate to the specificity of the notion of Swindon, I think. It's been running for two years in London? Yeah, we had a slight interruption, but it's fundamentally been two years, yeah. Uh, and, and going strong? I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, people are coming. People are really loving it. I hope so, yeah. Doesn't the title, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, come from a Sherlock Holmes story? Yes, it comes Mm -hmm. from, uh, I think, the story, The Silver Dagger. I might have got that title wrong. But Holmes is really central to the whole story. I mean, Christopher's obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. And also rather He's joyful. his hero and his yeah, role he model. His hero and, and he thinks that Sherlock Holmes is alive. He's a real person. It's yes, very he confusing when yeah, he's not. In Hound of the Baskervilles, they also stop at Swindon Station to have dinner, which is quite a lovely detail, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Well, a large part of the play involves Christopher's quest, which takes him outside of his comfort zone. So we're constantly being made aware of what it must be like for someone who is Asperger's to just try to do the most basic things in life. Uh, That is anything from having a normal conversation to understanding why people say things like be quiet uh, to uh, buying a train ticket Mm -hmm. to finding an address in a a strange city. 
the, to being touched. Yeah, although I think if the play only worked because it evoked what it was like to exist with a condition like autism or to exist on the Asperger's spectrum, it wouldn't resonate to the degree that it does. I think people watch it and they recognise themselves within it. I think all of us arriving in a city recognise yeah. that experience of being overwhelmed by the place and, and being frightened by the presence of so many people. I think people recognise themselves in Christopher. And it's also this family, too. At the heart of this story is this incredible relationship. These parents who are desperately trying to figure out and deal with their own sort of shortcomings as parents and the guilt that ensues with that and how um, how best to be parents. And I think that's a, another way in a very accessible way that many people can relate to, I think as whether well, they're sorry. the child or the parent, you know. I think through the teacher as well. I mean, this is part of the reason why I was so drawn to, to Frankie's character, to the character she formed, because I think everybody who's ever been to school, even people who hated school, have one favourite teacher mm. who made them feel better about themselves than anybody else had done before, and I think that's what Siobhan does. Yeah. Now, uh, do you live here, Francesca? I do. I've lived here for about 20 years, actually. Yeah. And you have to maintain the British accent My, because know, you get I, roles I, I think so. Place, I, think, I think being, something about being an accent make, makes you aware of the differences in the accents. And, you know, I have, uh, had, um, I have a lot of family um, for a long time back in England and was going there a lot, and Yes, it's funny. It's half my life. And wow. Well, um, a- Alex Sharp went to Juilliard. He's British as well. He's from Devon. He's yeah. from Devon. I find when I'm in New York, uh, the exoticism of my Englishness, I really become aware of. I, I talk more like Hugh Grant when I'm in New York than I ever do when I'm back <laughs> in London. That happens to all of us. And then we all get around each other and we all come, all the accents come out. and we all. Well, Ben Brantley, uh, who saw the London production... Uh, and thought that uh, the Christopher there was brilliant, said Alexander has a very different take on the character. Is is that an exciting thing for a playwright, to see uh, somebody you've written come alive uh, similarly but also differently? It's completely thrilling. It's completely thrilling. And that relationship between the actor and the playwright and the director and the artistic team, I think that's why I work in theatre, because the possibility that uh, something that I've imagined is reinvented every night. And it's not just the different actor, it's a different performance. And we've got two Christophers. It's worth saying that Taylor Trench, who's a brilliant, brilliant young actor, plays Christopher twice a week as well, because the role is so demanding. Very physical. It's immensely physical. It's immensely emotionally uh, demanding as well. Um, And I... For a playwright, that's why I work in theatre, to have that possibility of reimagination. Now, Francesca, I probably shouldn't say this, but Ben Brantley also thought that you were much better in the role than the British actress. (laughs) (laughs) So is this an open-ended run? Yeah, as far as I understand it, I I don't really understand about the culture of production, and I certainly never read reviews. So so this is the first time I've got the slightest inkling what he said, really. The, uh, but I think so. I think we're running for as long as, you know, yeah. for, for a while. Yeah, we'll uh, there's a, uh, you mentioned him being in London, the terrifying scene, which he has to travel to London. We have all these yeah. electronic stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that all written in the script, or is that <laughs> something no. the director came up with? I, I, uh, it's neither, actually. It's not written in the script. It's not prescribed in the script. The script, if you read it, is tremendously spare and open text and, and invites reinterpretation and reimagination. But I think Marianne, w- who, who I I think is not only one of my dearest friends, but a very Marion Elliott. Elliot. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very special director. I think she would be the first to acknowledge that 
uh, it wasn't purely her vision. She create, she brought together a team of designers, Paulie Constable, the lighting designer, Ian Dickinson, the sound designer, uh, Finn Ross, the video designer, and together they created this extraordinary physical experience. You have two choreographers as well. Steve and Steve. Uh, my thanks to the playwright and also to one of the stars, Simon Stevens and Francesca Faradani, for talking with us about Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, currently at the Ethel Barrymore Theatre on Broadway. It's been a pleasure having you on our show. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Yeah.